that, that the house for me kind of becomes a, like a house of ghosts. It becomes uh, all the things that Junior's holding on to and then the people for them are holding on to that you feel responsible for. You become the custodian of other people's um, kind of desires. Um, and all of that I found really fascinating, um, especially up against a futuristic world, especially where what are you holding on to now? I mean, everything's dying. You don't actually farm it anymore. And I guess at what point do you let go and change? Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In this episode, a young couple encounter a haunting exploration of marriage and identity set in an uncertain world in director Garth Davis's thriller, Foe. The film tells the story of Hen and Junior, who farm a secluded piece of land which has been in Junior's family for generations. But their quiet life is thrown into turmoil when an uninvited stranger shows up at their door with a startling proposal. In addition to Foe, Davis's other directorial credits include the feature film Mary Magdalene and episodes of the series Top of the Lake and Love My Way. Davis received the DGA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in First Time Feature Film for his 2016 film Lion and was nominated in the commercials category for his U.S. cellular spot Shadow Puppets. Following a screening of the film at the DGA Theater in New York, Davis spoke with director Darius Martyr about filming Foe. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Hi, everyone. Thanks for hanging around. Uh, my name is Darius. Welcome, Garth. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for watching. Um, it, it's great to be here at the DGA, particularly the DGA uh, um, screening room, because I I really think so rarely films are talked to uh, talked about as directors. You know, so often you kind of you, you kind of are asked to regurgitate themes or even plot line. And I think we should take the opportunity. First of all, I wanted to say to everyone here um, that I don't think we should consider this normal. That is when someone makes a film and we sit here together and talk, even though many of us have gone to many screenings, this represents a miracle that you pulled this film together. It's incredibly brave and challenging. And I, I can only imagine the road that you went on to get it here, but I really wanted to just acknowledge how incredible it is to sit here with you and, and get to talk about this film. So thank you for making this. You're very kind, man. Thank you. It's, it's, it is very brave, but I wanted to ask you about, about bravery and about courage actually to begin with, because I wonder, I wonder what, what in this story felt courageous for you? What challenged you as, as you were, as you began to be attracted to this, this story? I guess the older I'm getting, uh, the more I realize that your words are sacred and you, whatever you put out in the world, you have a responsibility to that, I guess. So that's what drives me. <clears throat> and there's directors go in other directions, which is completely fine. But for me, I just need to, 
do something that I feel is contributing to the conversation about being human and also, I guess, to the own questions that I have about my life and where we are. Um, I don't know. I think with this one, I felt a lot of things, uh, I guess, in Hen's, in Hen's struggle to uh, save the marriage, I, you know, there was a, like a, uh, it was like a parallel to um, the dying earth and there was a, a really interesting parallel there and I, I guess I found that there was an urgency in that um, and I feel like in a way, I just feel like we're all asleep at the wheel. You know, I feel like everyone's screaming, everyone's telling us where we're heading environmentally um, but we just seem to be like Junior on the back porch with his fake wife drinking a beer nothing's wrong. And I guess they're the things that I'm really fascinated in. Like at what point do we take account for who we are, where we are and, and also in relationships, you know, in relationships um, you can take each other for granted over time. And, um, and I guess just reminding people to be present and to be aware of that, I guess. Well, you, you, you can take each other for granted and you necessarily do take each other for granted. No, I mean, we, that's what we do. There's a, there's an aspect of that that is so fundamental to, to us as humans, to inertia, to, to the laws of that. And, and, and I kind of wanted to ask you about that. Actually, do you obviously have been in relationship in your life and was there something in this kind of story of uh, this tragedy of what we do in relationship that you've experienced in your own life? I think it, it not necessarily specific in relationships, but just sometimes you feel, how did I get here? You know, I feel so unaligned with what I want to do in my life. And I guess you can take the relationship and apply it to any aspect of your life. I guess um, it's just, you know, trying to, I, I think we're all trying to find an inner peace and inner excitement in life. You know, you're building a barn up at the country and yeah. all of those kind of things. So it's, um, what are we looking for? How do we find that inner peace? And I guess that's the human struggle. Um, and this really looks at that directly, but I, I guess yeah. it's just saying, you, you know, you just can't take what is like, this is precious. This time we have, it's precious who we are. It's precious to people in our lives and we just can't take it for granted. Well, I mean, I was thinking about it. I, I don't know that, I don't know what you guys think, but I don't know that I remember a film that uses relationship as allegory like this in the way that this does. It's really extraordinary. And I, I want to talk about nostalgia a little bit. It's so interesting the way the film is presented with this kind of myriad like of nostalgic elements the nineties the truck, the music, the tapestry of the farmhouse, the iconic farmhouse. It's almost as if, and it, and it's really, it seems to be kind of bringing up this idea of, are we stuck back there? What's so good about that? Right. And, or are we stuck over there in the future? And, and what is it that's actually right here? What are we, what is it about this moment that's important, that's more important than the past or the future? But I want to talk about this nostalgic element, the choice, actually, the, the cinematic choice. I mean, that had to, that was like a 78 year old truck, right? I mean, so what was that? What was the, what was that aspect in this that felt important to you? I guess it's this idea of stasis, you know, um, and particularly for the characters, um, you know, Hen is kind of trapped by this idea of the, you know, Junior's generational family and, you know, her having to be, you know, the next woman, uh, mother, wife in that generational change. And I guess 
it's, it's the idea that things these people don't don't want to change, and um, and I guess that's the real foe in the movie is um, stasis and um, and wanting to change. So I guess that sense of nostalgia that, that the house for me kind of becomes a, like a house of ghosts. It becomes uh, all the things that Junior's holding on to, and then the people for them are holding on to that you feel responsible for. You become the custodian of other people's um, kind of desires. Um, and all of that I found really fascinating, um, especially up against a futuristic world, especially where what are you holding on to now? I mean, everything's dying. You don't actually farm it anymore. And I guess at what point do you let go and change? And the idea that you could revisit this lover as as he was, right? As if, because I, I kept thinking as I'm watching this, because you're in such a bleak environment, and which, of course, we all, I think, are wondering: Will we see, or will our children see? And and you start imagining green. You know, when they talk about rain, you start imagine. I did. You know, I was imagining green, and I started thinking to myself, "Wow, right." And that's what we do in relationship. We we remember green. We remember it when it was vibrant. What happens? I mean, that's an extraordinary kind of analogy here, isn't it? Well, it's very hard to get back. Yes. You know. Um, yes. No, it is. All those analogies are there. Um, uh, yeah. But the, but the question is, w if we're in love with the past, yeah. are we in love with the past or are we in love with the now? So what do we do with the now? I guess the for me, the the tragic part of the story is that they are great soulmates you know um they they are right for each other in so many ways and um it's just that he has lost his spontaneity and his kind of spiritual energy it kind of has died over the seven years and he's kind of holding on to the past and not willing to let go and i guess she was willing to uh explore this experiment not knowing the full capacity of what would happen but she saw it as an opportunity um, to, or probably manipulated into doing, agreeing to do it, to explore her relationship and just see whether it's worthwhile fighting for or not. And I guess what she wasn't counting on is that she was going to fall back in love with all the aspects of her husband that were there at the beginning. And I guess um, so when a real husband comes back at the end, she, you know, she knows that they they can work it out, but he has to change. Right. And, and this, and the character, um, sorry, what's his name again? Um, Terrence, Terrence, yeah. Terrence, he's really interesting too, because he, I don't know, you know, we haven't talked a lot, so I'm really curious about him because there was a lot of very interesting choices with him at, on a script level, on a, on a, on a character level about his sexuality and how we felt about that and his kind of sadistic elements but then at certain points you wondered if he was an AI, what, where, where, you know, do you want to talk about that a little bit and the choices you made there? I mean, the whole question of what is real and identity, yeah. all those themes are constantly playing, um, throughout all the characters. And yes, um, there's all these multi mysteries kind of playing out, I guess. But I think with Terrence, it was really about trying to find an exciting antagonist that didn't feel stereotypical, but also like, who are these people that want to play God in science? You know, they're fascinating people. And what was really exciting about Aaron Pierre is that he really found a way to find some truth behind, he really believed in what he was doing. You know, he found a way to really believe it and, and he was going to change humanity with, with those decisions. So, um, that was not an easy thing to find. And the provocations in the film, him provoking junior, 
it's not just about being cruel. It's it's actually about him trying to, you know, break down the rigidity of Junior's assumptions. You know, do you really know your wife? Like, I guess in a way, he's trying to help Hen. He's trying to enliven him and kind of like the stuff that, that where he's hardened. He's trying to soften him up, I guess, which is exciting. And he's just going to see if he can push the experiment. Right, but there, the, that robotic part of him, or that part of him that feels calculated, certainly got me thinking about you know the ways in which we become robots, whether or not he's an AI, like the, our fixations, our ideas, our fixation, maybe on the future or on this aspect of our identity, because that's our project and how we become kind of less human when we get into that orbit. Yeah, no, it's totally fascinating. And maybe Terrence is an AI, you know? Well, you, that you one word, that one word warning, I don't know, you know, when he says that, that didn't feel very human. When he says that, it's like, oh, no, not that word, you know? And I thought, huh. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it is good. I mean, these are the things I don't think anyone's going to watch this film and not be thinking about it and not be feeling it in their body days after because it's one of those movies. It really, it really gets into you. And I congratulate you for that. Let's talk about the most brave aspect of this because I, I do see it as a very brave language in a film because you're you're thrust into the purview of an AI and you don't know it's an AI. And thusly, it's a much more challenging film to watch, right? I mean, because you don't know, and that is a really, really brave choice. Did you struggle with it in the writing and how it was that you get into Junior's um, POV, his vantage, his dreams, his thoughts? I mean, I think Junior is the easiest character to relate to because we're in his experience. We ha we we know what he knows. Um, I guess we don't really fully align with Hen until everything's revealed, and then we kind of retrace all of the assumptions we were making and we kind of reevaluate that. Um, it was both probably one of the most exciting aspects of making it, um, but also probably the most complex. Um, but also. Uh, you, that's what's engaging. It's in a way that's the suspense and the mystery of the film. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not big, it's not big genre ideas. It's actually human ideas and relate. It's and more it's the relationship is the mystery. Yeah. 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 And identity and yeah. things like that. So that was a super exciting, like the hot and cold nature of hen, um, the eye lines, the, the, the gazes that feel a little long, the kind of stiltedness, um, all of that kind of really draws you in and, you, you really want to investigate what is going on in this relationship. Who do you relate to most in this movie? Which character did you find? Oh, Hen for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, talk to me about that. Talk to me about that. Well, I guess um, I relate to Hen because she she's an empath. I mean, she really relates to nature. She understands that we're not the top of the pyramid. You know, we we live in we live in relationship with nature, and uh, I guess. I believe that, you know, and, and also just not wanting to waste this opportunity while we're here to kind of have a real life, you know, and really kind of connect into it. So, uh, everything she fights for the younger generation are fighting for as well. You know, they want to have a healthy future and a, and a vibrant life. And, and the, the idea that we have to leave something in order to, to, to reach for that, that we have to leave something, even something we love. Is that something that you relate to in your life? Yeah. I guess just don't be afraid of change. Like sometimes change can, you know, you may be 
you know, don't make decisions based on fear, I guess, like you can change can bring, bring good things, but yeah. So don't, don't hold on to something because you're afraid, you know, like have the courage to experience life, step forward. It's so interesting the way it plays like a play. I mean, you feel it as like, it feels almost like a play when you're watching it because it's so, again, another brave choice is just the minutia of the home this idea of domesticity and the way that we cling to it. You know, I, I found myself really thinking about that and especially because it was personified in such a, you know, that, that farmhouse, that old world that we all relate to and even kind of revere in some, with some sort of fantasy that it was probably never right. It's, um, it was super exciting to kind of make the house a character and it's almost, um, and the, the layout kind of, enhance the kind of the tension and the ghosts in the room and um what's not said is really felt in the spaces so uh, the house is a true character in that way and very representative of their relationship it's kind of fading away and and kind of entrapping them um and then just feeling nature kind of bombarding it and almost feel like it could blow over at any moment you know there was something very beautiful about the house and and then the rain you know this idea of oh will the rain ever come and when it comes that scene's really interesting because it yeah you want to talk about that scene well yeah i mean for me uh we just had the scene at the at the table where he says there's nothing out there for you which is probably the cruel thing you could say to someone so it's kind of over in a way he's he's ending it there he knows he, he knows he has as well and then sometimes the universe just gives you a second chance and it starts raining and she you know, her true nature comes through that. Um, and he still, he has a chance opportunity there and he, de and he denies it again, which is very much human nature. It's broken at that point. But right. it's terrible. Yeah. 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 But that's the, for me, that, that, that scene for me was definitely the heart of the film. Yeah. I, I also felt it that way. Um, can we talk a little bit about actor process? Because it's such a, it's such heavy lifting for these actors. Um, what sort of process did you, did you employ with them? Uh, from the beginning of meeting them as it related to the journey. I mean, certainly, certainly JR's character, who's never on the screen. I mean, it's always JR, AI JR, you know, and they're two different people, which is weird, right? So, how, how is that process? Uh, well, and any element of that you want to talk about? Oh, look, uh, this is probably the most exciting part for me was um, how to build the characters. And we had so many. Uh, complex truths and you know secret rivers and all of these incredible layers that we had to find in a really compelling way. I think the most important thing was making sure that we never cheated, if that makes sense. Like you can cheat a performance to help the mystery of a story, but we had to somehow make sure that the framework of each of the scenes was at, at every point the actors were being truthful, but on first viewing you're thinking you're seeing a story, but actually the real the real truth is something quite different. That's such an amazing feeling in this movie when you're watching it for the first time because you because you, you feel that you're like, but I want to hear about Secret Rivers. Talk to me about Secret Rivers. What's that about? Well, I, I guess it's um, you know Terence and Hen know each other yeah. in that first scene, yeah. um, and she hasn't seen this thing alive until she walks down the stairs. So things are happening very fast for her. She's kind of processing. She had no idea this thing would be so alive and kind of real so she's but she's also having to pretend everything's normal for the experiment to work so there's so many things that search is having to 
run there and just trying to make that feel very alive is, is quite tricky. And it's such a mind fuck when you're watching it, which is so amazing, right? For the first time, I, I certainly, so I saw it for the first time yesterday and, and then I watched the beginning again today and it's incredible a second time because yeah, you're, you're aware of different things, of course, but the performances only get deeper. Yeah. I mean, you, you assign a meaning to it. You think, is this an abusive relationship? What's happening here? Is this, does she know this guy that's arrived? So you, you, you don't get the real truth, but that's okay. Like there's, there's clearly something going on here. Um, but Sersha had to, um, deliver all of that to the first time audience whilst if you go and watch it the second time, she is literally just experiencing her husband AI being, being in AI form for the first time and trying to keep it moving. And that's why she rejects him from the bedroom upstairs and, and then it's the moments where she's caught off guard by the experiment, you know, when she loses a sense of, of that as well. And he, he kind of reconnects in ways that she remembers and, and then they start to fall. She starts to fall back in love with him. And then it, it almost, that awkwardness dissolves away and it becomes very natural. Um, and then Terrence comes back in and that, you know, in a way brings a ticking time bomb to a real husband coming back. And so that's yeah, it's, the it's crazy when you, you feel that a lot on a second watch, because of course you're aware, but the, the, again, the, the really interesting thing is the way in relationship you can feel that happen where you don't necessarily recognize the person you're with suddenly. And that's what relationship is. People are actually shifting and changing and suddenly you might be, you know, you can't, you can't see that person you thought you were with or knew. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's shifting sands all the time and there's facades, there's connection, there's behavior. I mean, like life is messy. Relationships are messy. And, um, so I guess you can relate to it in that level as well. Um, and, you know, just had that lovely raw kind of wildness, you know, like really wanting to feel it, you know, those, that, they were such a kind of a primal couple. Right. And the way that you use sensuality in the movie, it seems really interesting to me, the way that Hen kind of slowly seems to be exploring that and, and, you know, cause there's a real sexual arc, I feel like in this film, how did you, how did you talk to, um, Sorsha about that and discuss that? Uh, cause it's, it's tricky territory. Uh, I look, I guess, you know, all the, all the scenes, like you say, were, were mapping out an arc of her kind of reconnecting with her husband, but also coming into her agency and her power again and feeling, feeling those feelings again, you know, kind of, reconnecting with her sexuality, her, her desire, her, her love as well. Um, and, and his spontaneity kind of reminding her of her spontaneity. And, and I guess the two really do kind of inspire each other, I guess. Um, but she, she has to decide to start the process, you know? Um, so she walks into the bedroom and, um, at that point, she's making a decision, I guess, to have an affair as well, but she really wants to surrender into the experiment to see if she can find... She's having an affair with her, her husband. <laughs> she's having an affair with her husband, but she's also having an affair with the memory of her husband, like with the fantasy of, of who her husband was, which is what a lot of people do in relationship. They're, yes, it's a rabbit hole. It's a rabbit hole. <laughs> I mean, what a, a wonderful, real rabbit hole. what a wonderful concept. It's, a, <laughs> it's really that movie that kind of, you know, works on the, in those ways at, over time. I mean, I, it's, a, it's very exciting and it will be really interesting, I would guess, for you to feel the way it lives in the world over time because you're going you're gonna to keep hearing people say, oh, oh, 
yeah, look, people, there's so many ways to find yourself in this film. You know, there's not one thing. We're not trying to describe exactly what something is. I mean, there's lots of choices, but I hope that someone can find themselves in this journey and at least, uh, at least just find, um, just be reminded of our, of our preciousness, you know, and just not to take each other for granted, really. What was the, what was the catharsis for you in this? What surprised you in the making of this movie? Like what, what did you think it was going to be that it didn't end up being that really pulled the rug out from under you? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I guess, um, look, I don't even have an answer for it, but I guess there's just this curious feeling around sentience, um, our direct connection, like how our behavior affects, uh, nature. And you know, those questions around, is there something that unites all of that? Does it make sense? Like, is there something that sits in all of those things that are all connected? I, I absolutely um, makes sense. I felt it on the second viewing this, this essentially, uh, what's really interesting to me that I'm thinking about a lot and is this essence of relationship, this feeling that it is this sense that it draws you into presence or it's utter suffering is, is as an allegory about being awake, about awakening to what is right. And that's that if it's burning grass, it's burning grass, but you have to be awake to it or it's going to consume you. I, I guess everyone's looking for the same thing in a strange way, even Terence. And, um, I guess, um, when, wait, what's Terence looking for? I can, I gotta figure that guy out. I, what's he looking for? Well, I don't think he really knows, but, um, I, well, he, cause he kind of wanted, like, there was some sexual stuff going on in there. He was playing a lot of different, like, yeah. What does he want? What does he want? I think in many ways, um, the, the, the spirituality and the love that Hen and Junior have, that kind of unconditional thing that really hurts his mind. He can't understand how that can exist and be so powerful. Even at the end, I guess um, that's something that he has not experienced himself in some ways. And maybe he's looking for that in his creations. And um, and I think that happens a lot. You know, a lot of, a lot of people in power are kind of trying to create all of these things because – they don't know how to find it themselves. And, and I guess that's a kind of a fascinating thing, this kind of projection. Um, and I think that, yeah, I, I just don't think he was expecting that kind of unbelievable love story, you know, happening right in front of his face, that unconditional love. Um, and I think that really affected him. Yeah. It was, a, it was but it's a, not going to change what he's about to do. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting because it was a, there was a perverse, affection like you know he it was in the sense it's distorted that it was distorted yes because it was at once an accomplishment and a revelation and but it was met with such outrageous tragedy that's right it's all out of alignment <laughs> it's all out of alignment <laughs> yeah it, yes but such is the whole thing about consciousness and 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 ai of course um has it been has it how's it felt to make this film as the whole ai discussion arose because you, you must've started this before it was every headline. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's spooky. It was just coming true. Yeah. Well, you have to watch on. what you put into the world. You're the reason. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's coming. Here's a little taste. That's always how it works. There'll be a lot of, yeah. Replacement wives and husbands for sure. Well, I'm sure many people are rejoicing about that. <laughs> I'll be downloading them and designing them. We, 
so, I mean, it's interesting as a writer right now because we're having to field these questions. You know, we've had this strike and we're having to field these AI questions. And it's pretty intense, not just, I mean, you watch this film as it relates to the environment. That's one thing. And we have been kind of dealing with that for a long time. Now this AI thing comes up and it's really real. Like as writers, we're, we're all in this room, probably all of us thinking about the actual question of being replaced by AI and we're on strike because of it and all this stuff. So this must just be super weird meta for you, not to mention the fact that you're in a marriage and you have to deal with that too. Yeah. Look, I'm just I, kidding. I don't nothing. I don't go near it. I don't go near it. Um, because I might like it. You know, that's the thing. Because what? Well, you know, like uh, I went to my neighbor's house. They had the VR goggles. I said, okay, mate, give us, give us a go. I need to see what this is really about. And it was addictive. You know, we, we, we kind of go to these well, huge efforts the to She to falls escape. in love with the AI dude. No, she does. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, it's... it's yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, maybe that is a, a positive way to look at it, that maybe it can bring about no, it's not spiritual positive. awakening. Don't you dare. No way. <laughs> no, it's not positive. It's, it's, a, it's saying, don't make a fake husband because you'll love him. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Let's not do that. <laughs> Let's not do that. Let's not do that. Um, well, I, I do want to, if we have like three more minutes, it's a silly idea, but three more minutes. Let's take one question from the audience. Just really nice. If someone has a burning question. Oh, that's great. There's, the question simply is, it, it, as it relates to the arc the characters are going on, is there an importance in the actual deconstruction of self or ego as it, as it relates to um, the journey of, of catharsis or becoming or, or moving toward where you need to be? Is that fairly summed up? I'm confused. But... Um... <laughs> Well, there's the, there, the, the, the idea of this kind of regression of, of his character that he ends up in an inf in, like in a fetal state. Um, I think that's a really interesting idea. And that is there something that you were aware of about, about the shedding of, of the kind of the layers of what we call adulthood or our ideas about ourselves as an, as a necessary component of, of change? Well, there's a couple of things there. I think, um, there's a point where, junior is is just wanting it to stop you know like he is just so um he's been so provoked and tortured for so long um and he he can't get any truth so in a way he just surrenders in a way it's like a full a full fall in many ways and he's just pure presence i guess in many ways which is very beautiful and i guess the death like you picked up on i mean i'm always fascinated that birth and death are very similar you know, I've, I've witnessed the birth of my children and I've witnessed the, the death of my parents. And there is a similarity um, in a way we kind of, our ego is out of the room in those moments. You know, you've got to kind of come into a present moment. And um, I think in that death scene, the only thing that exists is just unconditional love between the two of them. And that, that is consciousness and that is love, I guess. Um, in, in a really beautiful way. So when you really get down to the moment of death, what really matters? And, uh, and I guess that's what slowly kind of sheds away and breaks down. Um, and that's what the, the AI represents, I guess, and how he kind of feels. That's really beautiful. And that's a very, very powerful scene. And it's a, a very good place, I think, to, to wrap up. And I, I would like to say that, again, 
it's, it's that sort of presence that reminds me like when we're here talking, how incredible these moments are after you make a film and you get to talk about it. And, uh, I really, I thank you for this discussion and thank you for making this beautiful film. Oh, I thank you for your time too. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America.